everybody. Welcome to the Breitbart News Daily podcast. The big story of the day breaking the night before we aired the show here was the leaked audio tape of the Trump tapes. More to come, more Trump tapes to come. Not sure, but we had some great callers on this topic. So first, let's play the tape. You can hear it yourself, at least what has been leaked. There's obviously some before and after that we don't hear yet. Will we ever? I don't know. But let's play the tape for you. And then uh, we'll give you the proper lay of the land and context that the media will not give you. We got a whole show planned today. And then late last night, the... First, or surely more to come, Trump tapes was released. A Trump tape, as they're calling it. Let me play the beginning of Anderson Cooper here being very serious about the Trump tapes. Evening, we begin tonight with breaking news. We have obtained what is expected to be a central piece of the government's case against Donald Trump. The actual audio recording recording of the former president talking as if he's showing a highly classified document on U.S. war plans against Iran with people not clear to even know it exists, let alone what's in it. In a moment, only on CNN, you will hear what jurors will hear one day. The recording was made two summers ago, July 2021, at the former president's club in Bedminster, New Jersey. You will clearly hear the former president as he is speaking to several people. According to the special counsel's indictment, they include a writer working on Mark Meadows' memoir, the publisher, and two of Trump's staff members. The president was aware he was being recorded. This is the first time it is being played publicly. Okay. Before we play it, I think it's important to give a little more background that CNN, of course, did not. So if you remember two weeks ago, when Trump was first indicted, they released the, as like 47 pages of the indictment. We focused on page 15. Do you remember this? I think it was in this very segment. Page 15 had this exchange in it. This was the best case that the prosecutors, Jack Smith, could make to the judge. This was the best punch they could throw. They're charging it with the Espionage Act. <laughs> so they had to come out hot. I, I doubt they would leave the good stuff for the trial. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's something else. Maybe there's some surprise that they're still going to come out with. But at least in the 47 pages, page 15 was the most, what was the word you heard over and over? Do you remember the, the word we heard nonstop in the media? The most damning. Now, of course, in the indictment, it did not give any background. So we will. Uh, let me pull up page 15 yeah okay uh on july 21st 2021 when he was no long, longer president trump gave an interview in his office at the bedminster club to a writer and publisher uh, in connection with the then forthcoming book as ta- as um, anderson just said uh before the interview the media had published reports that at the end of trump's term as president a senior military official purportedly feared that Trump might order an attack on country A and that the senior military official advised Trump against doing so. Okay, so we, we, we got to know the background. The country's Iran. That senior military official was the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff 
Mark Milley. So after uh, the election, Mark Milley was concerned that Trump, the tyrant that he is, was going to do everything he could to stay in office. And Milley had what he called two nightmare scenarios. One of one of, like like Milley was in this Trump deranged fever dream of panic. One of the scenarios was that Trump would quote try to use the military on the streets of America to prevent the legitimate peaceful transfer of power. Now I, I characterize Mark Milley as having a fever dream of derangement because what the heck does that mean? Like what do you, what do you Spell that out. What do you mean Trump wanted to use the military on the streets of America? In Boise? Tulsa? Fort Worth? Like, what do you, what does that mean? How, how would Trump use the military on the streets of America to prevent the legitimate peaceful transfer of power? Like, if maybe, maybe there's a scenario where Trump would use the military in D.C. to prevent Biden from like driving to the White House, like I don't, like I, but you can't just, you can't be like this, this general, like, well, you know, streets of America everywhere, like doing what? So that was, that was the first like freak out. The other was that Trump was going to launch a war with Iran because uh, just like Hitler had the, uh, the his, the, the Reichstag moment where he, he or it's believed that they, uh, he, his people, uh, lit the, the Reichstag on fire and then blamed the communists in order to get more power for themselves in 1933, that Trump was going to manufacture a crisis in order to swoop in and say, hey, uh, I can't, we can't transfer now, it's too dangerous, uh, I have to be president for life. Okay, so those are Mark Milley's, two, so that's the background. That's the background, that's country A, that's senior military official, this is what Trump is trying to disprove in this moment. All right, that's important to know. When, when Trump is showing this document, the context of this is Trump is accused by Mark Milley, Joint Chiefs of Staff, of trying to launch a war, wanting to launch a war to become a tyrant for life. And Trump's saying, what? <laughs> no, no, I never, that's not at all what I was ever planning on doing. All right, so that's the background. Now, we read the text two weeks ago. That's what's in the indictment. And they had some ellipses. You always got to watch out for the ellipses. The yada, yada, yada. The what are you, what are you skipping over here with those purposefully placed ellipses exactly? And now we have a tape, which, which seems, uh, it seems like they don't have a break in this tape. Right, it seems like they don't. They, so we can now see the ellipses, like what, what was what, what they ellipsed over in the uh, document. But we don't have the the full context. We don't have the before and the after of this moment either. Alas, here it is. These are bad, sick people. That, but, was, that was your coup, you know, against you. That I would like to know. I'll, I won't stop anymore. I'd like to know who he's talking about. I want to know the context of that clip. Who are bad, sick people? Why are they talking about bad, sick people? What was the context of the claim? Like, who, who and wh why? Like, what did the writer of this book ask Trump before this? I, I, I don't know. I, uh, 
Mr. President, who who were the people or what was the deep state that was preventing you from or, or that was falsely accusing you of things for four years as president? Or how was the deep state working against you? Or how were uh, people in the military, how were people in the Pentagon working against you? Remember, Tucker Carlson's claim is that the, the deep state went against Trump the moment he said in one of the debates that the Iraq war was a bad idea and we never should have been there in the first place. Tucker Carlson's claim is that is the moment that the deep state went against Trump. So I don't know. Maybe was that the context that the report that the uh, writer asked the president? Hey, what happened? Or why or when did the deep state come against you? And give me some examples of, of how you were falsely accused and how the deep state worked against you. I don't know what the context was. I'd like to know that that makes sense. I don't think you can start the tape at these are bad sick people without explaining who's he talking about. Will we ever know? All right, let's back it up. These are bad, sick people. That, but, was, that was your coup, you know, against you. That's well, it started right at the like beginning. Like when Millie's talking about, oh, you were going to try to do a coup. No, they, they were trying right. to do that before you even were sworn in. That's right, trying yeah. to overthrow your election. Well, with Millie, uh, let me see that. I'll, I'll show you an example. He said that... Oh, I'd love to see audio or video of this. Let me see that. Let me see what. Did someone have a document in their hand? I'm trying to make a movie in my head. We talk about this all the time. Making movies in your head. With text, everyone just goes crazy in their brain. With, with tone, pacing, anger in the voice, whatever. There's all these different variables uh, that, that are undefined in text. Audio, we got a little bit more. Obviously, we got some more data here. But I'd still like to know, like, what? what let me see that. Who had that? Why was that out? Why was that nearby? Hmm. I wanted to attack Iran. Isn't it amazing? I have a big pile of papers. This thing just came up. Look. This was him. They presented me this. This is off the record, but they presented me this. This was him. This was the Defense Department and him. Does that make sense? So it's, he's saying, I didn't want to attack Iran. I wasn't, I, he, 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 this, I gotta go back, this is important. Because he, he, this one's hard to hear. Trump says, uh, let, yeah, let me see that. I'll show you an example. He said, I wanted to attack Iran. I didn't want to attack Iran. That I wanted to attack Iran. Isn't it amazing? I have a big pile of papers. This thing just came up. Look, this was him. They presented me this. This is off the record, but they presented me this. This was him. This was the Defense Department and him. Wow. We looked at some. This was him. This wasn't done by me. This was him. Yeah. All sorts of stuff. It's pages long. Look. <laughs> Wait a minute. Let's see here. Yeah. I just found. Isn't that amazing? This totally wins my case, you know. Mm -hmm. Except it is like highly confidential, yeah. secret. <laughs> This is secret information. <laughs> look, look at this. You attack, and Hillary would print that out all the time. You know, <laughs> send it, email. No, she'd send it to yeah. Anthony Weiner, yeah, yeah. the pervert. Um, by the way, isn't that incredible? Yeah. I was just saying because we were talking about it, <laughs> and you know, he said he wanted to attack Iran and what? He's in the papers. Pretty, oh, this was done by the military, given to me. Uh, I think we can probably, right? I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll have to try to 
eat less if I, a, a, yeah. see, as president, I could have eat less. Yeah. Than, now I can't, you know, but this is yeah, now, now we have a problem. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. It's so yeah. cool. I mean, it's so, I'm look, we here and I have a, and you probably almost didn't believe me, but now you believe me. No, it's, I believe It's you. incredible, right? No. They, hey, bring they some, uh, bring some cokes in, please. Mm, okay. Couple things. I want to take your phone calls. One eight six six nine five Patriot. One eight six six nine five Patriot. I'm read as I was playing that and listening to it. I was reading along with the indictment that was released two weeks ago. The ellipses that they put in the indictment. It's just a few seconds when Trump made the comments about Hillary Clinton. Right, was, he made a comment of Hillary Clinton and a staffer. That's the woman you hear in the background. Some staffer. I don't know who that is. Um, some staffer saying, oh, Hillary would have printed them out or sent them out or, or sent them. And then Trump's like, oh, he would have sent them to Anthony Weiner, a pervert. That was the part that they, they took out of the indictment. Why'd they do that? Okay, maybe there's a best case scenario where they took it out because it was irrelevant to the charges. Okay, maybe. Uh, maybe they took it out because they didn't want any mention at all of Hillary Clinton in this indictment. They didn't want any mention at all of of what, of course, Trump and many others have said is, well, Hillary did worse. Hillary had worse. Hillary did all that, right? They didn't want that in the indictment uh, to be used against their indictment. They needed this to be uniquely evil. So any mention of, oh, yeah, Hillary did do. She had classified documents on her server. And her, like, they didn't want that. So they, they just, oh, uh, dot, 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 ellipses that out. Also, this audio goes a little bit longer than the indictment does. It goes on for another 20 seconds or so, and it leaves in the part at the end, hey, bring some bring some Cokes in, please. The Trump says at the end. That's when they cut the tape off. Bring some Cokes in, please. Now, I think the reason why they leaked that last line, because I've heard the CNN commentators mention this, is, oh, look at the casualness of Trump. He's so casual as he's flaunting the law, as he's breaking the law, as he's, as he's uh, brandishing these... Uh, highly classified secret documents. Look, okay, oh, it's not even a big deal to him. Which is weird because they want to have it both ways, right? They want Trump to be this crazy criminal mastermind and also uh, this reckless, uh, you know, uh, clown who's stepping on rakes and doesn't understand what he's doing. So they want him to be both at the same time, but the, which you can't, right? You can't be both those things. Uh, but the Koch's line is the, is the latter. It's like, oh, look at he does. It's just, it's just uh, it's no big deal to him. That's why they kept that. But what's hard to hear is it says in, in the transcript here, the writer, so this is the transcript of the video, right? At the same time Trump says bring in some Cokes, the writer says, no, they never met a war they didn't want, which goes back again to Tucker's claim uh, about why the deep state hated him so much, which is the whole context of this clip. Yeah, Isn't that interesting? Yeah. It's so cool. I mean, it's so, I'm look, we here and I have a, and you probably almost didn't believe me, but now you believe me. No, it's, I believe It's you. incredible, right? No, they, hey, bring they some, uh, bring some cokes in, please. Did you hear that, Bank? Well, joining us now, CNN. Did that, they never met a war they didn't want. At the same time, uh, he mentioned the cokes. All right, there was one line here that I wanted to see the background. I don't want to take your phone calls. 1-866-95-PATRIOT. 1-866-95-PATRIOT. Uh, does this move the needle at all for you? Does this move the needle at all? Does this, this is like, oh, but now that I hear the audio, yeah, Trump knew he had a, had a classified document. That's enough to what? Disqualify him from running, 
put him in jail. That's what the other the goal. That's what the left wants here. Of course, they want to, they want him to be in jail. Is that enough for you? Does is it like oh yeah that wow whew, no good, or does it not change anything? Here's the question I have. Near the end of the clip, Trump says, uh, he says, I was just thinking because we were talking about it. And, you know, he said he wanted to attack Iran and what? He says, this was done by the military and given to me, talking about the plans. And he says, I think we can probably, right? I think we can probably, right? I wonder what that's a reference to. I think we can probably, right? I, I don't know if he's talking about I don't think he's talking about attacking Iran. I think that must be some reference to something earlier about can we give this document? To, can we show this document? Are we allowed to reveal this document to the writer? He says off the record earlier before he shows the document. We don't know to what extent he showed. Right? But he says, I think we can probably, right? And the staffer says, I don't know. Well, she says, I don't know. We'll have to see. And that's when he pivots to declassify. So they were having some conversation about, can we show this? But they didn't play it earlier about what they're talking about exactly. All right, very interesting. 866-95-PATRIOT. 866-95-PATRIOT. I want to take your phone calls next. Uh, It's important as we proceed in this conversation. I think it's important to have a line with Trump and with your support of Trump. And I'm not telling you where that line needs to be. You can have any... You can put the line wherever you want. Trump could have already well crossed the line. Trump could, uh, the line could be a million miles away for you. But I think there needs to be a line. There needs to be some line that we define beforehand. You define, not we. You define beforehand of if he crosses, if he crossed this line, that's too much. I don't think it's wise to be the person who says, uh, I will support this person no matter what, under every circumstance. And right, you know that that's not honest. That's not fair. Now it could be again. You draw it wherever you want, but it can't just be blank check of support, can it? Now that we have the audio, does this change anything? Eight six six nine five Patriot. Eight six six nine five Patriot. The claim from the left is: Look, he knows he had a classified document. He admits it. He admits very secret, top top secret classified, and he didn't even care. Therefore, what <laughs> to them? Too. Therefore, he's a horrible person. Therefore, uh, he's guilty of of felonies and needs to go to jail. Remember, like, I think it's like each felony charge. I forget how many there were, like thirty seven or something. Each one is. 20 years in prison. <laughs> He's facing like 200 years in jail. And they think they got him with this. Did they got him? Breitbart News Daily Podcast. One of our wonderful guests today. We talked about how, of course, crime is out of control, shoplifting, crimes of poverty, as they're called, especially in our cities. And I lament that. I lament the brokenness of our cities. I lament the pain that all this crime is causing to law-abiding people. Uh, I lament that we are losing our high-trust society. Uh, This is all very bad. So how do we fix it? 
Sergeant Betsy Branter-Smith is a spokesperson for the National Police Association. We got her insight. Here it is. Sergeant Smith, how are you today? Hey, good morning, and I'm the spokesman for the National Police Association. There's two different organizations. Oh, is that right? Hold on, hold on. You're telling me there's a National Association of Police and a National Police Association? I know, right? So the National Association of Police is a group of police unions. The National Police Association is a 501c3 uh, advocacy group for police officers and uh, citizens who support them. We're the first group, for example, who sued to get the uh, Nashville Manifesto, the Covenant School Manifesto, released. That's us. Okay, that's interesting. So first, which of those two groups came first? Because whoever came second, I think, needed to go back to the drawing board on the name. Well, you know what? As soon as we hang up, I'm going to research that, Mike, because I don't even know the answer to that. I feel like like if I was in that workshop... I would have been like, hey, guys, it's kind of we're kind of close. I'm like this is going to be confusing for radio show hosts. You know, we got to we got to think of the radio shows. We don't want radio shows to embarrass themselves to their guests. So we should we should we should do maybe a different one. Uh, alas, uh, I'm grateful you're here, Sergeant. Um, so we all know about the shoplifting. We've all seen the videos. It's totally out of control. Um, cities like San Francisco, uh, they now have not only every single item behind lock and key, but now they're opening up stores where there are no there are no aisles of things. You walk in and type in a kiosk, what you want, and they just bring it to you. So that's the future of our uh, crumbling empire of uh, having a no trust society. We can't even allow people, like it's the ultimate, this is why you can't have nice things. We won't even let people walk up and down aisles. But I think what's important, Sergeant, is to know is this isn't just a couple junkies walking in with a, a garbage bag and coming out, you know, walking. This is a highly organized operation here. Can you give us some insight into that? Well, absolutely. And in many cases, cases it is organized retail thieves. And, and what they do is very often they conceal uh, themselves with hoodies and masks. And they go into, for example, high-end retail uh, stores that have the high-end purses that we just saw with Lululemon. Everybody saw yep. uh, the Lululemon case a week or two ago where a group came in, just started gathering up, and this is very high-end merchandise. And remember, they fired the employees for calling 911. A a lot of the um, large retail establishments have these no 911 policies or no prosecution policies. They definitely have a no interaction policies. In other words, a store employee can't walk up to somebody and go, hey, put that back. so it police departments around the country, Dallas PD is one of them down here in Tucson where I live and many, many other large departments throughout the country. What they're doing is they're reducing their response to these types of calls, even if they get them. And they're making it a paper report only mm-hmm. because no one wants to prosecute them. Uh, so we have this, and of course, that goes back to what? The George Soros installed prosecutors. We have about 70 of them around the country who say, oh, you know what? It's just shoplifting. We're not going to prosecute them. So we have this domino effect where we are basically destroying the American criminal justice system through multiple layers, a lack of cops or the depolicing because we because we just don't have the personnel or the wherewithal to respond, the prosecutors who won't prosecute, 
And then, of course, we have, quote, unquote, bail reform and other issues. And we have uh, progressive judges who we're seeing more and more just letting people go and saying, yeah, this isn't a big deal. Yeah, so it's a real problem, Mike, for the country, as we've seen in the rise in crime over the last three years. Yeah, well, they don't call it shoplifting. They call it uh, crimes of poverty because it's not their fault. It's the poverty that's driving them to do it. Uh, and the consequences are, well, financially, the CEO of Target says they uh, lost $500 million in profits due to organized retail theft. And they, again, they use that word, organized retail theft, which is different than, again, the junkie going in and stealing some stuff. $500 million in lost profits, which is bad for business. And then uh, also, of course, we pay higher prices. But then the point we make, uh, Sergeant, is we now are living in a low-trust society. It's really bad for just human morale to walk into a store and have everything behind lock and key as opposed to a high-trust society, which is, you know, put it on my tab. Oh, I forgot my wallet. I'll be back, you know, I'll be back next week as I always am, and I charge me that, right? That's a high-trust society. We're the exact opposite of that. Um, but can you walk us through, like, what happens next? So someone steals something. We've all seen the videos. What do they do with it next? Like, so those guys who stole the Lululemon shirts, how do they get money off that? Like, what's the next step? Well, there's many opportunities for them to make money from that, including Amazon. Um, yeah. You know, when you when you place an Amazon order for something, and, and a lot of times it'll say small business or local retailer, sometimes that's stolen property. You know, that's what we used to call back in my day as a cop, fencing, right? Or, or uh, they had pawn shops. Now all of that is electronic. You also see um, in different areas of the country um, ba basically what we call swap meets. So... Um, they're, they just sell this stuff on the street for pennies on the dollar. There's also uh, organ, organized crime organizations that will take it off the hands of the thief. That's the high-end handbags, the Lululemon clothing, et cetera, et cetera. And like you talked about with Target, you know, what gets stolen from Target? I mean, everything from uh, food to toiletry to clothing, things like that. You can find all of that stuff for sale. Um, you know, almost anyone listening can find that uh, locally if you're near a suburban or an urban area. And it's highly profitable for the thieves and those who organize them. And more importantly, there's a very low uh, punishment factor because you're likely to not get caught. And even if you do get caught, you're likely to not get punished. And, and this yeah. is what's so insulting. I didn't grow up with much money, but we hear this, well, they're stealing because they're poor. Being a criminal is a conscious decision. And just because you're poor doesn't mean you're going to be a criminal. Most people are not criminals. Most people do not do bad things. Yeah. But this constant rhetoric uh, from activists and politicians that, oh, people aren't doing this uh, because they're poor – is so insulting to people of less means, and that needs to stop. We need to call out things like that. We also need to call out this three-year vilification of American law enforcement because that that's where this all started. Uh, well, for sure. Uh, do you have any data, Sergeant, on, or, or even a hunch, I'll take a hunch based on your expertise, of what percentage of the shoplifting we see is junkie trying to sell stuff for drugs on the moment or uh, highly organized crime rings, syndicates, or are they connected? Or is the junkie just sell it to the syndicate and that's just part of all what it is? 
Well, I would I would call that about a 50-50 proposition um, because even understand that even the junkie gets approached by uh, a retail theft uh, organized crime ring, yeah. if you will. Because it's not the junkie selling uh, it on Amazon. You know, right. The junkie's not selling it on Amazon, but they're providing it to someone who right. is. So, I mean, who do you think you you get and uh, you you go and get to do this kind of thing? So we see that, but everybody sees the videos of these young, highly fit, um, organized, cr- you know, crime gangs coming in and doing the high end retail theft. Those are likely not, you know, the junkies, the homeless junkies on the street and things like that. But everyone also sees those videos of people stumbling into retail establishments with, you know, a big plastic bag and grabbing things like that. And understand that this is also, and, and the, you know, the CEO of, uh, of uh, Lowe's or Home Depot, Home Depot, I believe, is starting to talk about this, as are others. It's starting to get dangerous for the other shoppers. It's getting dangerous for their employees because we're seeing a violence in these criminals that we weren't necessarily uh, seeing before. And, you know, yeah. we've seen this. We've seen in New York where a security guard had – or no, I'm sorry, San Francisco. A security guard had to shoot and kill a retail theft in progress, a suspect who was trying to take his gun away. And there were no charges against that guard. So this is getting increasingly dangerous. That's why everybody's doing their shopping online, which is a real problem for uh, people who own retail establishments in this country. Yeah, and, and the response from the San Francisco Board of Supervisors from that story you mentioned, I think it was the CVS, uh, the response was to pass a law that makes it illegal to have any confrontation, not just Lululemon store policy, but now San Francisco law to try to stop a shoplifter in any way at all. Can't do anything. Because they blame the security guard for escalating the situation, not the actual thief. Um, so what do we – oh, real quick, one more point on the, the violence. Uh, I don't know if anyone saw the video of – I don't know where this one was, San Francisco. But you got the, the stuff behind the plastic uh, lock and key that does like the guard. So the guy goes in with a blowtorch. Do you see that? He walks in with a blowtorch. And I don't know if he melts the lock or just melts the plastic or the hinges or whatever. And melt – like proper blowtorch lights the thing on fire and then pulls it off and grabs the stuff so <laughs> so that's i'd call that dangerous i don't know this guy's like a welder by trade probably not so i, I don't think this is uh wise um so what do we do sergeant because short of i saw another video or another picture of uh, a grocery store with metal bars over the exit and if you walk out and it beeps then the metal bars <laughs> you like can't leave the store like, ah, oh, geez, like, is this the country we're living in? What's your first step to stopping this? Well, first of all, what we need to do is uh, we need to vote. We have got to pay attention. Everybody talk, you know, we're all talk, already talking about the 2024 presidential election. People need to pay attention to their local prosecutors' election. And we've got 70 of the George Soros-installed prosecutors. Now we've got Alex Soros in charge of the organization. There's a great book out there called Rogue Prosecutors uh, that the Heritage Foundation is yes. putting out. And, and they talk about how to stop this. And it's basically paying attention to your local elections. We also need to lift up American law enforcement. You know, I think we're done talking about defunding, 
But we've got to do more than just not a defund. We have got to lift up the American law enforcement officer so that this profession is desirable again because cops are leaving in droves and we can't get young people to replace them. Less cops means less response to crimes like this. This is literally changing the face of our nation. So pay attention to what's happening locally and then do everything you can to lift up your local law enforcement officer, even if it's just smiling and waving at them and telling them thanks when you when you see them in a coffee shop. Yeah, I imagine morale is low, and I don't blame a single one of them for that. Being, you sign up for a job, and then you try to do the job, and the DAs come in and say, stop doing your job. Like, that That stinks, <laughs> to say the least. Um, yeah, I think the, the, the best way to, to, to thank a cop today is to make sure you vote against these George Soros DAs so that the police officers can do their job again, no question. Sergeant Betsy Branter-Smith, she's a spokesperson for the National Police Association. I will not make that mistake again, Sergeant. Thanks for your time. I'm American man. Hey, thanks for listening to the Breitbart News Daily podcast. Uh, we will, of course, give you any of the latest tomorrow about the fallout with Trump, his response, all that. Any more tapes coming, of course, we'll play those for you. Uh, also, the the four-star admiral, Rachel Levine, who's a man, says that uh, Pride, Month, <laughs> Pride Month isn't enough. It's now the summer of Pride. Oh. Give you the latest with that next as well, or I should say, tomorrow on Breitbart News Daily. Time.